Hello listeners, this is Lee Price. This is Will Ford from Football365. And you're listening, smartly, to At, At The, the Bridge, Bridge Pod, Pod, a Chelsea, Chelsea FC podcast. podcast, although I would describe it as THE Chelsea FC Podcast. from Eden Hazard, Kai Havertz in the Champions League final, Ivanovic! In the middle, it's just behind him, but it's by Hakim Ziyech. Matic with the ball driver! It's time for another episode of At The Bridge Pod, your number one Chelsea FC podcast. Coming up on this episode... Guess who made it for another international break? You did, we did. Football, football's back. Welcome back everyone to another episode of At The Bridge Pod. I'm joined in a virtual room filled with lions, some lions. I've got Ollie, I've got Chris, the two two important lions of this quadruple uh, much, much to discuss, as we always say, because, you know, the window has slammed down on another international break. So, you know, we made it, but but hey, club football's back now. So what are you looking forward to this weekend, team? I'm looking forward to the international break being over. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say the next one. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the next international Woo! break. Now. Uh, also, I've been sick this week. That That's why I wasn't on Monday's show. Uh, so I'll just be getting a bit of R and R. You hopefully get a bit of fresh air if it stops raining for like five minutes. Get your canoes out, team. Be nice. Wow. What about um, you, Chris? I've had a a neck problem today. Uh, oh, um, it's gave me a really bad headache. So I'm just I'm just hoping to be better. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I just yeah. yeah I, I want to wake up tomorrow morning and be able to move. That'd be ideal. Peeping over the uh, the fences to just see if there's flooding outside. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. oh, oh. oh, fair. You don't... Yeah, the flooding. That's why I was doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't. I can't hear not a noise sound drop for that. I don't. I'd, for that's uh, a little bit naughty. But uh, for I don't know. For me, is eight eight Premier League games are on a Saturday, meaning Super Sunday is certainly not. Um, <laughs> uh, Sunday morning though at two a.m. British British time. You could you've got the MLS decision day, which is the final round of fixture to decide the playoff seedings. That's fun. But um, you know what? My eyes are turning to uh, France on uh, Saturday. Apparently, I did not put the audio for sharing, as I've been reminded to by Ollie, which I appreciate. But I wasn't uh, going to try and call you out mid-show again. But uh... <laughs> did I put it on? Actually, to be fair, let's just test it. So I thought I did, but if I didn't, I didn't. Uh... Nice. There it is. Oh, yeah, I, we, is. I probably fair messed enough. up. I've messed up enough this week. It's fine. But <laughs> hey, my eyes are turning though to France on Saturday evening because you got Nice taking on Marseille, and that's a spicy matchup because when if I don't know if you remember two years ago, it resulted in Nice getting docked two points, Marseille having Gonzalez, and their physio giving long bans for an on-field brawl. I remember that. that. Yeah, there was like, <laughs> wasn't it like five red cards or something? For, no, it's, for it was a very uh, spicy. It's it seems you don't, you just don't want to see, but you really do. Yeah, the, the, I'm sure the French commentator at the sign at the time said, "Oh well, you know, this is the thing we absolutely do not want to see." And then everyone at home goes, "Get your cameras no, that's a, out!" Dude. That's the only <laughs> thing we came here to see. Yeah, we yeah. watch. We always watch fight compilations on you. I just think of like Luis Fabiano and Carlos Diogo when they had that fight in uh, a La Liga game, just, like sort of swing, swinging arms, just comical, just brilliant. One I always think of is the two Newcastle players who who, who <laughs> scratch each other, Bowyer and Dyer. Yeah, Bowyer yeah. and Dyer. Yeah, brilliant. And Shearer just pulling one great. away. Yeah. Oh, man. The strangest no, argument I've ever seen that. Really it, it, It's better because Graham Soon has made them apologise after the game on a full press conference. 
Richie, it's whatever right to do. It's just funny to watch two people who are grown adults look like they've been told off like they're at school. To be fair, yeah, I'm surprised was. Graham Souness didn't, uh, you know, blame Paul Pogba. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's hit the news. Oh, it's the time of the week that we check out the news that you may have missed in that elevator of Chelsea news. Uh, still have now confirmed the sale of the site next to Stamford Bridge to Chelsea. It's believed Chelsea will pay around £80 million for it. Chelsea could still leave the bridge despite this £80 million land deal. Rhys James sustained an injury in training over 10 days ago. He underwent a scan, was deemed fine, has been trained alone. A doubt for Chelsea's game against Arsenal on Saturday, but who knows? Uh, Romelu Lukaku said he's ready to tell all about the summer transfer saga he was involved in. Ian Matson has rejected two Chelsea contract offers in recent weeks. And finally, Leeds fans travelled from the UK to Uruguay to take their former boss, Marcello Bielsa, one of his trademark buckets. Uh, Bielsa hasn't been using one since taking over as the national team boss. And now he has one ready waiting for the game against Argentina next month. Is that the most famous bucket ever other than uh, KFC? There was the Darby. one that Tuchel sat on as well when he had his uh, his he? leg in, when he had, like broke his leg or something. I don't remember, I don't remember that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm a fake Chelsea yeah, fan. I, <laughs> I no, I, I, I remember that, Ollie. I remember that too. Yeah. Two, two people here are proper Chelsea. I'm not. No. <laughs> uh, I mean, what from this week's news has grabbed your attention? I um I I have a uh, an interesting piece of news that's actually it's it's kind of only tangentially Chelsea related really but um it is football so don't worry. Uh this week there was um uh Eric Ten Hag was saying in the media uh, that people were asking him in a press conference about um about Jaden Sancho. Mm. Um and and he was saying you know nothing's changed basically you know if he apologizes then then he can play and then if not he's he's going to be gone and it sounds to me like he's he's probably going to be out of there in january what i what i was saying uh yeah, he gone but what i uh what i wanted to ask you guys is would you take him he's a chelsea fan in january <laughs> he's only 23 fits the model oh he does actually he got a good point extremely <laughs> talented kid there's no doubt about you know there's no doubt in his talent oh sure, man but... he, i Obviously, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes with him, and he's obviously in his own personal life. Which, to be fair, we're not entitled to know because that is his personal life and that's his private life. And you know that if he he wishes to keep it private, and he has every right to do so. I I did want him when he was at Dortmund. Obviously, things have changed in that at Old Trafford. I do you think would, he's just too far gone. I I don't think anyone's ever too far gone. I feel like. You know he's got he's got talent there, and that's the thing. He's got talent. He just needs. I th- I feel like he just needs the right atmosphere. And again, Old Trafford is probably not the right atmosphere for many a player. It's, I mean, it just doesn't seem to click up there, does it? I mean, what what do you think, Chris? I wouldn't take him. Uh, he is talented, probably but the he sensible hasn't, choice, isn't it? He <laughs> hasn't shown. He hasn't shown any of that talent in the Premier League. That you know. <laughs> I think I think people are going to start being really cautious of the Bundesliga because there's a there's more sort of imports from there who aren't quite hitting the heights and the ones that are. Um, I think with Sancho as well, he's not really a player that we need. Um, we was talking, I think it was on the last pod, wasn't it, about how do we get everyone in the team? Mm. The last the last thing we need is another wide player. So no. 
I would steer clear because uh, he's not the he's not the Sancho we saw at Dortmund. That's clear. I also think he's probably not really what we need, like from a age perspective either. I think that at yeah. the moment that the team needs more than anything, it it needs uh needs experience, and uh, and Sancho does have some of that, uh, yeah, but of maybe not quite as much as, as as some other players who I think would would fit better. It was just a just a question. No, I, it's I, I a good saw, question. Uh, I've seen some Chelsea fans talking about it this week. Just be interested, you know. Talk to us mm. in the Discord on Twitter if you if you would take Sancho. Yeah, and agreed, why. agreed with that one. And on and on Twitter, I'm not calling it X. Don't care. Uh, <laughs> right, th- th- I've got to talk about Reece James because this this latest setback I feel should be discussed. Uh, Wednesday, Wednesday was a bit of a roller coaster with it, you know, ups and downs. And then we got to do it all over again. So we're we're told he sustained an injury in training over a week ago, and he could could miss the Arsenal game. That that was the morning, but then in the afternoon we're seeing pictures of Reese in training. So, well, I, I mean, I pose this question to start with: Should we be even more careful about what we believe from certain journalists? Or after that setback of ten days ago, are we starting to enter into the? having to ask the question, is he our long-term right-back? Go on, Chris. I mean, you do have to be careful about what you see written down now, just because it's just because someone said it doesn't make it true. Um, Everyone's talking bollocks all of a sudden. It's really annoying. Yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, for about, for about the last 10 years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Are we it, still a club? I thought we were going being liquidated. I remember that happening. Yeah, <laughs> we were exactly. told. I think sometimes, I think sometimes as well, you have to be careful with these training pictures that even the club are putting up, because it's normally them, you know, walking around, smiling, smiling, waving. You never at the see camera. them sad. <laughs> it doesn't mean it doesn't, you know, that doesn't show you what they're doing in training, does it? And the the rumor has been that he's been training by himself. Oh, the the thing is, even if even if he makes the bench for the Arsenal game. Just seems to me like he's another injury waiting to happen. I mean, if you're getting injured after just coming back from an injury ten days ago, then what? Not a lot's going to change, and he hasn't even he hasn't even played any sort of high intensity football yet, and his his body's already giving up on him. It's it's a really sad state at the minute because we all know how good he can be. Mm. That is no good if you can't ever get on the pitch. No, I mean, look. Look, I'll make it. I love Reese, uh, and when he's on the pitch, that man, damn, that man fights for the badge. But I do feel this dude's a bit like Santa Claus. You only see him for a few weeks of the year, and then he's gone <laughs> again. And I, I just want to yeah. see him. I want to see him stay fit for a whole season. I, I just do because on form for thirty-eight games, he is the best right back in the world. Yeah. It's just staying fit. It's just playing that consistent amount of games. I mean, the and only yeah. thing I would say about James is he has the potential to be the best forward back in the world over a 30 game season. But Easily. we've never seen it. We've no. never seen it because he's never done one. No. So it's it's really difficult as well because I've seen some people saying that even if he spent most of this season injured and then mm. he spent most of last next season injured, they still wouldn't sell him because he'd go to City or Real Madrid and he'd do great things and we'd really regret it. And sometimes I just look at it and I think, wow, I do think we mm. do have this real habit of overhyping our players. Reese James has been brilliant for little spells mm. until he gets injured. Mm-hmm. We've never we've never seen him from August to May, 
without getting injured. Could you like, imagine how, if he built some how his form would dip and that? You know, yeah. like, if if he got more consistent, you know, with it, with his injuries and stuff, can you imagine like if he built some consistency into into some form and and how good he could grow to be? Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Like, he could be even better than the best that we've seen of him. But yeah. it just really annoys me because. It seems that every every opportunity when it seems that like it's the perfect moment for him to hit his stride and get on with it and properly develop as a player gets injured again, and maybe I'm maybe I'm a miserable old git right, but I I get really frustrated when I keep seeing him putting stuff out on Instagram and Twitter and stuff, and it's just like I get it, but I feel like as the as the captain you've got to block out the noise. And being so active on social media and stuff, you know, like you're gonna be seeing what everyone's talking to you about, uh, talk saying about you, you know, when especially when you're injured, you know, you've got more time to reflect, you've got more time when you're you're sitting on your backside as a result. Mm. And I don't know, I just feel like he's he's almost a bit too ingrained in it. May like maybe it's just not that deep. Maybe yeah, you know, possible. but but to a, I don't know, something about it just frustrates me no end. I mean, on the injury side, medical stuff are also assessing how to handle Chukwemeka after he felt knee pain upon his return. I mean, look, I've never heard a doctor say playing on an injury is going to help it. So if I'm Chelsea, I'm shutting Carney down for a bit and letting that knee properly recover. It's just not I worth the risk. That's less of an issue, isn't it? Because you've got Palmer who can who can True. play in that play True. in that role. But, it, you know, it's. Uh, I think at this point, because I think we even saw, it might have been today, there was even something uh, in the p- press conference, Pochettino said, bro, you um, had a tweak in yeah. the other knee. And that, so he's out as well. Could be overcompensating for obviously, as you naturally would when you've got one knee injured, you, you overcompensate with yeah, all the body parts, I, I, don't I you? Can, I can see it. But at the same time, I just feel like at this point, there seems to be so many setbacks and complications mm. and things that like, I feel, I really do question what some of the conditioning staff or the fitness team or the medical staff or whatever, mm. whoever is involved in that process in reathletization yeah. and all that yeah, is, yeah. Are, are doing. Because you know that this just isn't normal you know we've had three seasons on the spin and basically everything's changed about the club but i just don't yeah. understand why we consistently are still getting so many injuries i've got i've got a, an interesting take on injuries um i think part of it especially at chelsea now is a mentality thing and i think it boils down to and i think this is premier league wide but focusing specifically on chelsea for a minute I think players are overprotected. Um, players, I do feel like players used to play through injuries a bit more. Like, obviously, well, yeah. not like a crazy thing if you've done your hamstring yeah. or your ACL or whatever. But like, David Luiz played the 2012 Champions League final on one leg, more or exactly. Less. And I you think know. it's that thing now where the sports science, I think, has gone a little bit too far in terms of, you know, Chuttlemaker says I felt a pain in my knee. Okay. Uh, and and now all of a sudden it's oh you better rest up for another two weeks. Well, uh, hold on a minute. How how is it painful enough that you can't play? Because if it isn't, older players, you know, from the nineties and the early two thousands, they would have just played. Like you hear and talk about it all the time that they played in pain every week because that's what you did. If it was if you could play, you did play. It it, it just you know it does, what? I just you're, think you're spot on, Chris. Yeah, I just think there's a thing at the minute where with all footballers where they're so overprotected and it's a bit like telling you know when someone in your house has got a cold and you just keep telling yourself, I'm gonna get I'll, I'll catch that. I'll be ill in a week. I'm gonna get ill. I know I'm gonna get ill. And then you do. And I think that's mm-hmm. 
The same yeah. with injuries. I think these players now are constantly being told that, oh, that could develop into an injury, so you want to be careful. Or oh, that that little twinge you felt could be an injury. This could be an injury. So they so they get injured. It's I just think sometimes you've got to just toughen players up a little bit. And, and if the you... thing is, is but the thing is with players is that it, it with the sports science, it's like obviously they're not going to know any better. You know, like like they don't exactly. know sports science. You know, like so exactly. they're just they're, especially in cases of like the medical team, nutritionists, all that stuff. Players are just doing what they're told mm. for the most part. You know, and but the thing is, Chris, you I think you're right to a certain degree that it is a real mentality thing because I don't know who anyone remembers this. A couple of seasons ago, um, we we learned that um, Jorginho had been playing with like a back problem for ages. I don't know yeah. if anyone remembers this. Yeah, like, Jorginho did, yeah. had been playing for absolutely ages with like a back problem. Never complained. And everyone always said, Jorginho never got injured. And it's like, well, that's not technically true. Mm. You know, he was injured all the time. He was injured all the time, <laughs> but he just got on with it. And I think, yeah. I think you're right in that some other players need to maybe, you know, like push the boat out a little more. Like, I know a lot of players are really fr- afraid of getting injured. And I think players like, you know, Reese James, for example, probably should be. Mm. But I think other other players who are fit 99% of the time, don't have any consistent injury issues, should be able to run a lot more stuff off. And uh, I tell and you, it just feels like they don't. I tell you something that I think highlights it as well. I think Engolo Kante spent his last two years at Chelsea injured all the time, never playing, never played more than three games in a row and then had to have a rest because he was injured. He's gone to Saudi Arabia, where I imagine their sports science isn't as advanced as at Chelsea. He's played every minute of, of all yeah, of their games. It's an inferior league. It's so different. He, but he's still, got I, to run, he's still got to run around. Yeah, but he doesn't have to run around with the same intensity. But it is hotter. So, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like uh, Maybe maybe the heat is better for his joints or something. It's hard to know. Awesome. Maybe maybe it's that, that cold, those cold rainy nights in Stoke didn't know, <laughs> Um We'll move to the latest on Stamford Bridge. I mean, this is a topic our listeners on Discord have been passionately vocal about. And wanted us to talk about, so we will. So here's what's been happening. Obviously, the Board of Trustees for Stoll Veterans Housing Charities confirmed the sale of their Fulham site. And this obviously can be used to extend Stamford Bridge's footprint for a more bigger stadium in the redevelopment. I mean, this this move sort of strongly suggests a direction towards demolishing and rebuilding Stamford Bridge as opposed to a, a permanent relocation. I mean, however, obviously, it's important to just highlight that no decision has been reached. And obviously, we're told both options are open. Notably, the possibility, though, of gradually redeveloping the bridge, like obviously how Liverpool have done it with Anfield, that's off the table. Now, we had the Telegraph. They reported that both rebuilding the bridge and relocating to a new stadium at a different site are still viable working options, in quotes. The, the the idea, obviously, of moving holds particular interest for Chris Jurasek, who's Chelsea's newly appointed chief exec. He's obviously responsible for overseeing all of the club's business aspects. And obviously, you've got Stuart and Wynn Stanley managing the sporting activities. Uh, I mean, crucially, no immediate decision is anticipated. So any permanent move away from the bridge. Obviously, we know that's got to require an approval from the Chelsea pitch owners who own, obviously, the freehold to Stamford Bridge. And, obviously, it would also likely meet significant fan resistance. Where are your minds at with this development? I've, I've had a lot of time to think about it. And because every few months we get, like, drips and drabs of the news. And so whenever it comes into the news cycle, you think about it a little bit more. And I think, generally speaking, I think them purchasing the stole land is good. Um, I think them staying 
on the Stamford Bridge site is good, um, even though it will be harder to make things work. Um, of course, the other option, if we did move, would be to like let the women play at Stamford Bridge, which I would also agree with. I think my my, my personal demands for for any new stadium are are, are the following. I've got six points here. So one is is we need uh, an iconic state of the art stadium with with i with iconic interesting architecture, right? Not mm-hmm. solar's bowl. So it needs to you know needs to pop out in in the middle of London. It needs to be a, an important thing. Um, it needs to stay as close to the original Stratford Bridge site as possible. Ideally, yeah. not moving. Um, mm-hmm. but you know I do see where where that may come into come into it if you know with uh, Els Court and whatnot. Um, three is keep Stamford Bridge as the name. It's just iconic. Don't make it anything else, even if you move. Um, four, um, get in touch with um, the Osgood estate um, because his ashes are buried under the pitch and you yeah, need to ask how best to proceed true. with that and that's really important it, you know, it's really important the club do that you know, to show respect mm. for one of our former 100%, legends 100% um, uh, need at least 60,000 seats um, that's 0.5 because I just think there's talk I think they said it would be a minimum of 55 yeah. and I just feel that that's a bit too low we have a, we have a like question. Yeah. we have a listener question uh, on that, which I'm teasing earlier. And and finally, the last thing is make the pitch a bit wider because our um, Stamford Bridge is an, is a slightly narrower narrower pitch than the likes mm. of at the Etihad or Arsenal Stadium or Spurs Stadium or anything like that. Yeah. So, just need to be brought up to the the level of club that we are really. Yeah, I mean, look, you are spot on with all your points. I, for me, I don't feel you you don't spend eighty million to acquire land if you're not planning to use it. You know, if the plan was to move to another location, perhaps obviously Earl's Court's been teased. I don't feel this deal with Stoll would have would have happened. You know, you, you don't buy new furniture if you're selling the house. And the argument that I've personally put forward on previous episodes was that if, stress in this please, if it was cost effective to move to somewhere else, and by that I mean significantly, so like we're talking hundreds of millions, then we must consider it. Again, if that that is the case and consider, I'm not saying we should. That doesn't change the fact, though, that we all love our current site and the memories that it holds. And of course, the atmosphere it provides on a game day. And I think we can all agree that to spend 80 million on this plot of land means we're missing out on at least one slightly unproven 20-year-old wonder kid from South America. So clearly, <laughs> Todd Bowley's planning something. I mean, to be fair, eighty million is kind of a drop <laughs> in the bucket when they said they were going to spend a billion on the stadium. Well, that's true. That is true. Uh, what What do you think, Chris? Um, I mean, firstly, great points, Ollie, and I agree with them all. Uh, don't think most of them will happen, though. Let's be honest. Um, I I understand from a sort of elite club modern club side why they want the you know the posh new stadium like the Emirates like the Tottenham stadium why they want that but you can't buy history and I don't like the idea of moving stadium at all Um, I understand it I mean I say that I don't really because ticket sales are a drop in the ocean to a club's revenue they're, they're, they're nothing they mean absolutely diddly so I don't really understand the commercial benefit's going to be we'll end up hosting loads of other rubbish there concerts and that is what Spurs' stadium does 
Yeah, exactly. And so that that that's it's got nothing to do with getting more fans in the stadium. I don't care about that. I, I think it is partly to do with that. I think it might make a bit more of a commercial impact than you think. You know, you think it is. It's forty thousand people have have you know purchased a ticket or a season ticket or whatever every single week for most weeks of the year. That's got to make an impact, surely. Yeah, you'd think so. But I heard somewhere a few years ago that ticket sales are one percent of a club's income. I so for us it's difficult, isn't it? Especially with like transfer fees and stuff. Like one one selling one player is always going to be worth more than uh, yeah yeah than every it's, ticket in the stadium combined. You know, my issue would be I think we'd have to move away for so long, and that that would have an impact on the field. And then you're coming back to somewhere that could take you three, four, five years before it starts feeling like a home ground. That, again, takes its toll on the field. And it's just, you know, leaving Highbury, look how far back that set Arsenal. It's mm. it's not always an easy transition. Um, West, Look at West Ham. I mean, their fans still hate their home ground now. Could so, argue Spurs have got better, though. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But I mean, there's yeah, always agreed. an exception that proves the rule, isn't there? So yeah. true. Um, but I, I just think, I just think you're you're going to lose a lot of heritage. And I mean, we've complained before about the atmosphere at, at Stamford Bridge, and it's a tight, compact stadium. Yeah. You put us in, you put those fans in. You know, like like Ollie just said, a bowl which it will be, it will be oval-shaped because they have to be now. I don't know why that is, but they have to be oval-shaped and look like a look like the library in Birmingham. It's <laughs> that That's like the rule now, isn't it? That they have to go with that same architect. So I think it, it the same me. architect company. We need the, um, the guy who did the... Um, the, uh, the Bird's Qatar Nest? The Qatar oh. stadiums uh, for the World Cup. Because uh, all of them were really interesting and different. They were definitely and, like, interesting. Yeah. That's ar- fair. Uh, you, you know, know architectural marvels. You wouldn't get the plan. You know what I really loved in London, though, would you? When we was on about moving a few years ago uh, to Battersea Power Station. Oh yeah. And the the mock-ups of that that incorporated the power station. Yeah. Into the in, into it. That I would have gone for because it's oh, yeah. got character. It's it's a bit. I think it was one of your points, Ollie. That it needs to have some sort of character about it. It can't yeah. just be like, you know, somewhere where it doesn't look like a football stadium. It just looks like an arena. That's mm. why I I absolutely loved the the architectural redesign they did of the bridge a few years ago because um, that mm. was really interesting and different and no stadium was like it. The other thing, of course, arguably more important than just the architecture, but it ties into it, is the acoustics. People don't yeah. think about it, but you know the sound engineering in a stadium has to be perfect. I, I, and it's it's really, really, really important that we, we get a, a stadium that can really maximise the atmosphere for the team. They, sh- they should do it in the... Uh, the design of the same should be in the shape of Eden Hazard's bottom. why not look right before we move on to the winners and losers in the international break just want to finish with the news that chelsea fc women's group stage opponents for the 23-24 champions league have been confirmed today places in group d alongside real madrid bk hacken of sweden and paris fc uh, the group phase will run from november 14th to january 31st with the top two sides from each group advancing to the knockouts and notably, Real Madrid, who we faced at the same this stage last season, have reached the group stage for a third consecutive season. So we did quite well against them last season. Four points from two games. 
Hopefully it's six points from two. We've got obviously two Swedish players in our squad with Musevic and I really hope I don't butcher his name, Kanarid. Uh, they're returning, obviously, to Sweden to face Hacken. And then you've got Paris FC, who are representing the second French team in the group stage. So that's going to be interesting. Uh, we're the only English team in the draw. Wow. Did not. I, I must have missed that. I genuinely thought City or Arsenal were in it. But I think Arsenal lost to Paris FC, didn't they? They did. And Man United lost to PSG. Whoa. Wow. It's going to be an interesting group. Mind so. the gap, lads. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. International break's over. Throw your hands up in the air because we all did it. We made it through the second of the season. And guess what? Yeah, we only have to wait less than four weeks for the next one. Oh, man. Oh, you're... I, wish you know, I, was I always joking. forget this. The October-November international Awful. breaks are stupid. They are yeah. absolutely ridiculous. Why do they have them so close together? I know. You just get... you get. It's like you get over one and then the next one sucker punches do you. you. Do you want to be in a run of form? Thing. No. Right. We'll, we'll do a quick catch-up for you all and I'll give out our winners and losers from this break and then, and then the team just... They can jump in with their thoughts if any, if they wish to. So we've got win I've got Kendry Pies. He, he achieved a, a big milestone, you know, during the international break. He netted his first goal for the Ecuador team. Uh, that's pretty remarkable at his age. And it was a lovely goal already, showing obviously the talent and potential that we signed him for. We've got Caicedo. I mean, he played a pivotal role by providing assists for both goals in Ecuador's 2-1 victory. So important. Glad to see him doing well. We have Chris's favourite player, Enzo. He he made his presence felt. He did in the international break. He assisted Messi against Peru, uh, contributing to obviously Argentina to lead in the World Cup qualifying standards in South America. And my final two winners, I've put them together. I've got Mudrick and Madueke because Mudrick, he, he continued his resurgence in form. He scored an absolute galazzo from outside the box for the Ukrainian national side against Malta. And that is his first for the country. And then obviously Madaweke showcased that he can score as well. And he got three and two for the under 21 for England. So it looks good because our wing wingers are coming back into red hot form. I mean, any particular winner you want to, you feel like we should have a little quick discussion on? Uh, I want to give Pen, uh, Kendry Pires his flowers just because like that kid is just so talented, man. Like it, it, I, I, I can't remember uh, another Another kid, other than that, that Endrick kid as well, the the mm. Real Madrid bought, um, who has been touted as this good, this young. I like. I I don't think Neymar even burst properly onto the scene until he was like eighteen years old properly. Mm. And yeah, so, you know, so it's it's just incredible. To he's think sixteen about what, and he's just making embarrassing actual adult veteran players. It's it's, it's just it's, incredible. It's ridiculous. The kid could he could play senior football for four years and be an under twenty one still. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah. I mean, any particular player, Chris? Um, it was good to see Mudrick's um confidence more than anything oh, to yeah. take that shot on. He hit uh, that ball very hard. I thought, I thought initially that his um that it was a bit of an easy height for the keeper, and then I watched it back a second time, and he he rifles that thing. I yeah, mean, you've got to look. I know people have gone. It's against Malta. I don't care. I watched I watched my Denmark play San Marino and struggle. <laughs> yeah. San Marino, they have not I don't think they've scored for a, it was well over a year against St. Lucia. And they were I, I, I could have easily seen a Denmark one or draw. And I was just thinking, what is going on? 
But obviously they won 2-1, but that's not the point. That was a struggling game. And we all laugh at San Marino unnecessarily. And we, hey, he scored. And that is what matters for Mudrick. And it was a good goal. And he did beat a player. He turned a player and it was great to see because he deserves that. He needs, he's a confidence player. That's that's from my take from him. Could be starting against Arsenal tomorrow, I think, based on Prove that, a point. Know. I feel he could prove yeah. a good point. So losers, I've got two. I've got injuries because we, we touched on this earlier because obviously Reese James suffered an injury during training 10 days ago. That was obviously cast down his availability against Arsenal. We had Chukwemeka who recently returned to the bench after his extended absence and he's facing knee pain. Uh, and then Axel Dasazi and Nico Jackson withdrew from their respective national teams due to injuries. So, I mean, I think Dasazi was something to do with his leg which is really lame that I cannot remember off the top of my head this. <laughs> Can't remember. Definitely his leg. And really Nicholas a footballer. Jackson. Yeah, <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> it's really bad. Hey, I've embarrassed myself again. Right. And, and Nicholas Jackson was his, um, it was his wrist. Thank yeah, you. Didn't oh, write yeah, it the, yeah. I didn't write yeah. it on the, 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 the document. Has. So, yeah, yeah, it's that hand injury that he's got. J- Jamie Vardy style um, plaster cast against Arsenal then. That'd be interesting. Uh, and I think my final loser was fixture list reality check because the break was nice, but we've got to get back to work. Like, look, And it was kind of like getting back to work after the Christmas holidays. You fear it, you dread it, because that fixture yeah. list is going to be a test because Chelsea face, it's quite daunting. You've got, obviously, you've got matches against Arsenal, Brentford, City, Spurs, Newcastle, United and Brighton. However, I'm weirdly optimistic because none of those teams are going to sit back and play, you know, a block when they're not going to do it because their fans won't allow it and they'll be attacking. And we were very good against Liverpool at the start of the season and they play attacking football. So I don't think, I mean, City are going to be, City aren't even, can I say they're not that good about De Bruyne this season? No, don't bother. Like they'll win the league anyway. <laughs> I know. To be fair, I I, I do agree. Right. I, I don't. I don't think City have been great this year. But people were saying this last season when people Arsenal was eight points season, clear. People, go, people, <laughs> people say it every season. City drops some points in the season. Everyone goes, "Are they mortal?" And then they just win four, like twenty games in a row in the second half yeah. of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm 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 confident, and that's. Uh, that's the delusion as being a Chelsea fan this season, I feel. But hey, right. Well, there's our winners and losers. There wasn't much because it was just it's just another international break, which we uh, like to just... We, we, we the fans, to focus on. The fans yeah. are losers because it's an international break. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So let's move to Lion of the Week. Uh, it's a big one, isn't it? Saturday dinner time, 5.30pm kickoff. Lions versus Gunners. We're taking on Arsenal at the bridge. Who, who are you expecting to disarm them gunners? Bettinelli Berth. Nice choice. Love it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know what? Berth really likes choosing Bettinelli. Is he still it's... injured? Not Berth. I mean Bettinelli. <laughs> Both. I think, yeah, that's in my knee, I think. Um, yeah. I'll play that. You know what? It, it deserves a my knee. My knee. Uh, what uh, have you got, Ollie? Uh, I'm going to go with Mudrick. Damn I, it. I got him. So, oh, well. I'll, I'll, no, I'll, no I'll... keep him. It's fine. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna dive for it because I think he's he's 
he's, he's, his confidence is up. He's been playing well recently. Mm. He scored a goal on the international yeah. break. He'll be well up for playing against Arsenal, of course, the team he was, you know, he almost signed for before he signed mm-hmm. for us. So there's going to be a bit of animosity there. I really, really want to see him be up for it. That's yeah. what I, I need to see that. I'm, I'm with you literally for the exact same reasons. Uh, I can't really, uh, word for word. Uh, Chris, are you going to go different? Yeah. Ooh. I'm going to go with uh, Conor Gallagher because he's going to have to be the energy in midfield because with Caicedo mm. and Enzo coming all the way back from South America. Good point. And I think against Arsenal, I think this is one of them games where whoever wins midfield wins the game. And I think it's going to be really important for Gallagher to have a good game. Yeah, Gallagher's mm. going to have to hump Rice down. I mean... Yeah, a lot, the last time we beat Arsenal was more than two years ago. Yeah, if, I was thinking yeah. that recently. Like, I'm, I'm weirdly not that optimistic. I usually am pretty optimistic when we play against big teams, but I, I don't know. We just we have such a poor record against them recently. It's the same with Man United. Yeah. It's why I'm always mm, a little yeah. bit wary of them as well. Uh, mm. We just can't seem to 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 beat them at the moment. We won two 0 but can you guess the goal scorer? <laughs> uh, Lukaku. It was. It was indeed. We thought we thought we were back. We were ready to win everything. Oh, that, that was such a long that was a long time ago. When did James yeah. score the other one? No, Lukaku yeah. scored both. Oh, was it a, it was two no, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, James scored the second one. Great yeah. goal to be oh. fair. That was a long time ago, man. Yeah. It was right. <laughs> We've been through a lot since then. <laughs> We've been through a lot. We really have. Uh time to answer some listener questions. We've had a fair few. So thank you, as always, genuinely. Uh, Eunice Miata asks the following. Following on from my question on Monday. Thanks for reading out, guys. Love you. We love you too. Uh, it's reported that the stadium rebuild will be in the region of 55k. See, you see, I teased this earlier. Right. The two North London clubs with zero European pedigree have new stadiums of plus 60. Should we be aiming for plus 65 minimum? Ideally, but it's about what's practical as well like it's about what's possible like it, it realistically there is a point where you actually you get so large in a stadium it's actually it's it's detrimental not beneficial you know uh, so like yeah. and that's probably around 65 70,000 i but think you can brag <laughs> you can but like like if you have an 80,000 seat stadium right so you say so you go and get an 80,000 seat stadium a quarter of it's not going to be full most weeks mm. and that, I mean, and that mm. looks kind of bad you know? Yeah, I, I know where you're coming from. I mean, I did actually do some research into this because, right? These are some these are the clubs with stadiums over the fifty uh, over that fifty five k mark that we apparently we've looked at that number. So grab a coffee because this is a long list. So Red Star Belgrade, Hamburg, FC Bari, Leon, Arsenal, West Ham, Napoli, Celtic, Stuttgart, Real Betis, Schalke, Benfica, Zenit, Marseille, Carabag, Atletico, Lazio, Roma. Hertha Berlin, Man United, Bayern, AEK Athens, Real Madrid, Dortmund, Milan, Inter, and Barcelona. I'll add some context, though, because a lot of those stadiums are based in Germany, and that's due to the revamping Germany did to prepare for the 06 World Cup. And that also led to a good few clubs hitting financial problems and getting relegated, hence Hamburg. I mean, to, to me, a club of Chelsea's stature should indeed be aiming for 65k minimum, because... I feel we could easily fill that each match day due to the season ticket waiting list. So 55k for the money that we've obviously we're saying 55k is the aim. With the for the money we're investing, that's that don't feel like good business. No. 
No. Uh, that, exactly. I, I think it's got to be, it, it's, it's certainly got to be higher than 55. The only thing I could think of that would make that make sense was if they were deliberately future-proofing it and they were doing a 55K now to then like upgrade those stands later Ooh, and make like it like that. 65, 70. Mm. But why wouldn't you just do it now? Yeah, exactly. It makes, like, yeah. yeah. Like, I, I just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't work out why they would want to do it that way. I wonder if they're, it might be something to do with the planning permission. It might be something to do with them just hedging their bets and being careful. It might be something to do with the CPO. I don't know. But uh, it, mm, yeah, it's hard to know. What do you think, Chris? I think it's got to be 60 minimum. Uh, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, it just doesn't seem worth it. Um, like the the upheaval that, that you need for an extra 9,000 fans or whatever it is. Especially it the amount seem... of years we'll be out of the stadium. Exactly. Another concern I've got, just while we're talking about the stadium again, is the effect that it has on the Chelsea women's team when they play there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because like now, uh, I've been to Stamford Bridge when they've played there, and it's it's quite full. The stadium is it's it is quite full. Mm. It, it most tickets go, um, so the atmosphere is really good. But you see it with Man City women when they play at the Etihad. It's you know you 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 fill in a stand, and it it just it's not the same, and it, mm. it doesn't really help Man City women. Their record when they play at the Etihad actually isn't very good, so it's it it will have an effect there as well. I just think there's so there's so many different factors to take into account. Uh, you do wonder you if if the, you do wonder if the best future proofing option would be to move to a new site and then give the give Stamford Bridge to the women's team. Yeah. Oh, you know, because yeah, women's be football really it isn't going away. It's only going to get bigger. That's eventually yeah. that's that stadium will be full. That is a yeah. good show. And, and they're going to need a bigger stadium than King's Meadow. Oh, 100%. Easy. So. Easy. So we'll round off with Julian, who's asked, who do you prefer, Datro Fafana or Brozier? I think Datro Fafana has showed a bit more promise than Brozier. Um, not, not if you took his low move to Berlin. Oh, well, he's done all right there, I think. Uh, Eight games, no goals. He's done all Chelsea right. Chelsea through and through. Yeah. <laughs> Proper Chelsea. the number nine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, honestly, from what I've seen of him, he's done all right. Um, mm. I, 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 don't, I think I would go with Broyer just because he's from the academy. Um, uh, mm. But that, that's kind of it. I mean, we'll see a fair amount of him this season, depending on his, obviously, fitness. I mean, at least until Nkunku's back. So he's got his moment, hasn't he, to sort of centre stage to show why he should be our backup forward. Because when fully fit, Nkunku starts over him. It's it's a fact. So what what, what do you think, Chris? Um, I don't think either of them will be at Chelsea long term. Datro or Broyer. Yeah, Yeah. I I can see that. I think Datro will flip for profit and Broyer will go at some point too. Yeah, I think when we sign, depending on, you know, obviously form of Jackson or someone like a breakout season would change this. But when we go for a top-class proven centre-forward and and Broyer drops down to third choice, arguably even fourth choice if Nkunku was preferred to play up front as well, then I, I just think... He's another academy player that is pure profit. Mm. No, yeah, yeah, pure profit on the books. Right, we're moving to... And no birth, so he's lost already. Uh, it's the game. <laughs> it's the <laughs> game. Duck to me again. It's a game of categories. Rules are simple. I give the team a category and they give me an answer that fits into that category. 
So today's category is Spanish players who have played for Chelsea. There are 16 names on the carousel list. And I will go. I'll go to Chris. Uh, Fernando Torres. Yep. Uh, one matter. Yep. Uh, Marcus Alonso. Yes. Uh, Mark Cucurella. Oh, yes. Cesc Fabregas. Yep. Uh, Kepa Aritha Balaga. He's on there. Uh, Diego Costa. Yes. That that's that Spanish hard. player. That's, yeah, that very Spanish player, Diego. <laughs> hey, Costa. he officially played for Spain. So he did. He did. Uh Robert Sanchez. Yes. Oh, good one. Uh Pedro. Yes. Uh Aspi. Yep. Nice. Uh well, I'm struggling now. Nah, I think I'm out. Oh no, mine's gone blank. Can Ollie win it? I uh, do you know what? I think I've got three more. Lovely, wow. lovely. Go on, rub it in. <laughs> um, Saul, Saul Niguez, yeah, that oh, famous loney. Yeah, good one. Uh, Maratha, oh, yes, nice. And uh, the man, uh, uh, no, actually, I've got two more. The man who sponsors the hot take. <laughs> yes. Is Del Horno? He's up there. And the last one, which I'm really happy I remember this one, his breakout season, uh, I believe was in 2011-12 season, uh, Oriol Romeo. Oh, yes. There's, oh. There was two more. There's some, there's some great shouts there. Ollie. There's I'm not two more. And I'm gutted because I did the quiz myself and I did get these because I remember them from sticker books. It was Albert Ferrier and yeah. Enrique De Lucas, the only signing of Ranieri before we went and got bought up by Roman. Uh, Ollie's done well there. He's done well. But can he do it two in a row? We've got another one. Burf's missed out. He's missed out Oh, it's a double feature. So the category this time is players who have scored a Premier League hat-trick for Chelsea. I haven't counted how many there are, but I will go to Ollie first Let this time, and I'll count them whilst, you know, you're going through them. Um, Didier Drogba. That is right. Uh, it's twenty-one, I think. It's twenty-one, I think. So, Jesus. yeah. But it, but Drogba is on there. That brings pressure. Uh, Frank Lampard. He's definitely on there. Uh, Eden Hazard. Yep. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. Yep. He was in the last one. Alvaro Morata. Yep. There's twenty. Actually, I've counted wrong. Another I mistake. Mar- I don't remember Morata getting a hat trick. Really? He got yeah, the headers. Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah, the headers. Oh yeah. Shocking. <laughs> uh hat tricks. <laughs> I love how these take... hat tricks. <laughs> I'm gonna take a risk here, because I, I I think I remember he get him getting one with two penalties as well. Willian? No. Because he did. No I Premier thought he scored two penalties and then one. No. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't a Premier League no game. No Premier League hat trick. I think Ollie's just won, hasn't he? Uh, pretty much. I, I think I, I think I've got. I think I've got two more. Go for it. Uh, first one is um Samuel Eto'o. 
against Man United. I remember that one. Yeah, that was class. Um, And then um, Mason Mount in the 7-0 versus Norwich. Yes, Mason Mount. Mason Mount never played for us. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, (laughs) So you've missed out. You've missed out two Spanish players. See, I'm giving clues here now. It's only fair. Mm. Uh, Not sure now. You've just listed all the Spanish players we've ever had. I know. Diego Costa. Torres, indeed. And Costa. Torres against QPR, wasn't it? In the really soaking wet rain. Yeah. I will give you the final name. There's Andre Schurler. Christian Pulisic, Idiger Johnson, Gavin Peacock. He got four in the one game. Uh, Zola, Viali, Mark Hughes, Anelka, Kalou, Abraham, and Tor Andre Flo. Oh, Kalou got a hat trick. Kalou got a, I don't remember it. It's definitely happened. I don't know when. I can double check it for us, actually. Solomon Kalou hat trick for Chelsea. Hat trick. I presume there is only the one. Yeah, well, <laughs> probably. He scored a sensational hat trick for Chelsea against Stoke City in 2010 when we won 7-0. Oh, you know what? Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> I really don't. No I idea. I remember that. I forgot oh, uh, that was the, scored uh... that hat trick against Burnley as well. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, I remember Abraham. So it that was, was in Wolves, lockdown. wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it was. He had that really good goal where he, he like chested it and uh, he, yeah. he took it on the chest from the, the, the cross from he sh- shall not be named um, <laughs> and turned and volleyed it in. It was great. Oh, man. Good times. Good times. Hopefully there'll be more good times tomorrow when we beat Arsenal. Positivity. Uh, but obviously that's the end of another episode. Thank you as always for listening. Treat yourself well. It's very important, especially, especially every day. Trust me. So we'll be back on Monday to go through those winners and losers against Arsenal. And also we'll be doing a match report between Chelsea women and Brighton since our coverage of the women's team is getting some very positive feedback from you all, which we really appreciate. And we appreciate also that we're shining a light on that team more this season. So till next time, that is going to be us signing off. You've been listening to At The Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram by searching for At The Bridge Pod. And if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, leaving us a review is always appreciated.